And what happened, instead of being ruined for life, the kid came in and said, now I trust you. And he started opening up and started talking. It's happened to me twice that I know of. I, I imagine it's happened a lot of other times. I take a very strong position with that because of this kind of thing. Because you never know what can happen. It could be very, very destructive. Kids, meanwhile, lie. I give them the right to lie. It's okay to lie to me. Just, you know, when we get over it... When you just tell Shashiva, you can't talk. That's what I said. I don't know who he... Oh, because he knew I knew. There was no way. That he knew who it was about. Yeah, why do you say I don't have to discuss it with you? Because he's pushing me that I have to. And then we're going to have a whole debate on the philosophy of it. Which I'm not going to do with him. It's much easier for me to say, I don't know who you're talking about. Give him a name, maybe change the name. You're right, because then I'm just being pulled into a debate. You know, and he's going to tell me a psychotherapy and you have to listen to me. It becomes very uncomfortable. It's much easier. I have no clue who you're talking about. Hey, Master Jim. Yeah? By your own time lying. Shekhar. Maybe. I don't maybe, maybe. I hear. I hear. No, no, I hear. I have to. Uh, maybe the Shekhar. <laughs> Yeah. No, it could be, could be. Right. Okay, let me let me finish up here. Number two. Um, so you encourage therapy, but you can't force it. If a kid's not ready for therapy, you can't forcing a kid, demanding a requirement is you have to go to therapy, is ridiculous. If the kid's not ready for therapy, it's just foolish. It's wasting everyone's money. Creates a false illusion. What we tell kids is sooner or later you're going to have to go to therapy because you need refuah. I understand you may not be ready. If you're ready, let me know. The best thing to say is you think you're mature enough yet for therapy. It's the best thing to say to a kid. Do you think you're holding by it yet? Not everyone is. Do you think you're mature enough to be able to handle therapy? Well, what do you mean? Well, therapy is very painful. And you've got to get in, dig into your stuff. It's very hurtful, but that's how you get better. Do you think you're mature enough yet? If you're not, that's fine. Most kids will want to prove themselves they're mature enough. And they'll come. And they'll come willingly. Kids who don't come willingly, I send them home. I say, do yourself a favor. I'll call them. I don't want to see you until you're ready. Because it's all a lie, and I won't do that with you. I want to establish with them truth. Mm-hmm. Encourage it strongly, but don't force it. Meanwhile, until professional therapy, the best therapy, as I've said, is to create an open communication with the parents and to work with the parents' hearts so they should have a good relationship. Meanwhile, what do you do with any sexual abuse victim, child especially? Hopefully we'll get them to therapy sooner or later. But meanwhile, they need these three things. They always need mentoring. They need a mentor. That means they need a role model, a positive role model in their life, who's a from Ehrlich, a person, a girl, a man, you know, depending on what it is. They need a from Ehrlich, a person that will accept them, understand them, relate to them. They're not going to heal them. But they have a, a, a friendship, a relationship with them, because that person may be their bridge to staying from. A mentor is huge. I actually have, by the way, I recently, Toronto have set up a marvelous mentoring program, and I've been giving trainings to them. I have three CDs of training programs for mentors that should be published soon, um, that describes, trains how to do mentoring. Mr. Shem, I'll get you copies when the time comes so we could disseminate. It's a very great gift to give to parents, to give to the mentor. Because often you can't find a, a trained mentor. You find a gishmaka girl, a gishmaka boy, they have no clue what it is. So it's wonderful to have a tool to give them and listen to this well, you'll have the sugi of mentoring a race. So I have three CDs on this subject that I hope to publish soon. Tutoring. 
you find see these kids are always never in the first place struggling as it is they've got enough sorrows to carry and if they've got weakness academic the ones we you know we're keeping them in the system we must strengthen them because they need the self-esteem they need something to hang on to so it's crucial these kids we look very very carefully at their lives to, to diagnose and analyze where their weaknesses are in learning so harsh they can learn well bring them into that because they're so distracted by their sorrows and problems it's very hard for them to learn and then we can lose them so easily so they need extra tutoring all the money has to be found we have to help these poor victims but we've got to get them tutoring and identify their weaknesses and strengthen them and for girls especially but even for boys again it's built on the premise they feel terrible about themselves find something extracurricular to give them self-esteem Find something. Drums for boys often works well. You know, music. I, I'd send kids to chazonas. I love chazonas, voice lessons for kids. And I'll tell you why for boys. Because ultimately, a boy that sings can use that voice in a base medrash for davening. He can sing at a malava malka. He can put him in the sugya of our world. So it's singing lessons, a gewalde, a guy can go for an omelet, you may be saving his life with the fact that he has one participation that he can really feel of in our world, is being a chazan. So I love singing lessons and chazan lessons are gewaldic for boys. For girls, everything, anything, it doesn't really matter. But extracurricular, you know, singing drums, drama, art, she's got to be gewaldic or something where everyone's in awe of her. All her friends are like spoiled from how gewaldic she is at this talent. Find a talent, pour money and develop it. And so these things work together with therapy. And for the steer. Yeah, yeah, but in the treatment, we're going into treatment. He's not going to do it the first week, believe me. We're going to do lessons for a while, but we can tell him that in Mitzvah Shims, as we go through the treatment and you get better, you're going to have a future, you're going to be out to Daman, and you'll be in front of a nomad, and the Abish will accept you again, and he's ready, you'll tell him, yeah, forget, Adarabba. You know, you've got kaychas. Maybe you'll bring us down with heart-rending tefillas and no one will know where it comes from in your heart, but you'll really be grateful and you'll do something for the idol. There's way, you understand, there's a reframe, just an example of a reframe that could be so positive to his life. As far as support, everyone around the child has to be careful to express pain, sadness, and love, and not anger. It's so easy to be angry with these kids. They wreck lives. They ruin families. They ruin everything. They wreck your school. They can wreck everything. They cause havoc. But you have to remember, they're a victim, not a villain. They really are. And we have to find out a way to express our sadness, our pain. If they're still doing things, you have to be pained. You have to feel pain and express the pain and be nice about all in pain, but not with anger. We have to all work, everyone who's involved with a kid who is in trauma, to recognize that your anger will just re-traumatize the kid. It directly pushes them in the wrong direction. And I tell the parents, they say to me, how am I not meant to be angry? I say, get therapy. Absolutely, get therapy. You're right. You're right. Get therapy. You need help. I don't blame you. Get help. Absolutely, get help. You're right. I agree with you. This I'm just going to throw in at the end. Um, I haven't done the whole piece on prevention, which I think I'm going to wait anyway. I'm just going to finish with this. And this just this is just I'm giving this for hope. This is a wrap up to put us in a good mood after such a difficult evening. You've been very wonderful, by the way. I feel I feel better. Yeah. No, it's not a question. You said earlier 
we come back to it, it doesn't come back to it, but every victim, every proprietor was a victim themselves. Correct. So we come back to that point. Um, oh, I see the philosophy of it. Well, I, I, I don't know. The, the reality is, I've asked. Yeah, exactly. I've asked I'm Oh, there you go. Thank you very much. It, it's I've asked this question time and time again. Was it always this way? Is it worse now? Is it bad? Years ago, I'd asked Rav Shimon Schwab, I asked Rav Shimon this question. He was one of the first people I asked, and he told me, "Claw partially." It was always this way. It was, but people had more gedult. That's the difference. What I was explaining to Rav last night in the group, it's not now to explain it, but I was explaining that that's the answer to this too. That answer is this too, that the world's changed, and the world changed in a way, the essence of it, I'm not going to go through the sugi now. There are people here who heard me speak about it, you can ask them, they'll explain it to you. But basically, the world changed in that children their status of children and the status of adults has become equalized in society at large. No longer is it an ongenumen fact that children have reverence or deference and respect for all the... I was today by Dublin. It's a classic story by me, classic. I went to Mincha today, and as I walked out, there were kids walking out. I actually started pushing the door, and two kids walked right in front of me, pushed the door, one trod on my foot, and they walked right out. When I was a kid, that was unimaginable. Forget, one of the kids would have run and hold the door for me. It was unimaginable. Today, I opened the door, and they pushed through the door I just opened. And that's normal. There's equalization of status. The way I say it, the, there was a lid on society called deference to elders. That lid gave an azer to all young people with their problems and sorrows that thought there's gedorim, there's gvulim, there's something, and they, they had more gedul to hold their problems. Today, no one has gedul for anything. The kids do not have good odds. It all comes out. That's the fundamental shift. But I don't think the incidence has changed. I just think the tolerance has changed. That we just don't tolerate anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm not going to get into details here. But in Lakewood, there's a very large development called Westgate. You all know about it. I have been accused and attacked by the people running Westgate and developing it because I've told everyone living there to get out. Westgate is the greatest center of molestation in Lakewood. If you've got kids there, get them out. Just get them out. The percentage of kids being molested in Westgate is higher. What? Westgate is a closed community of 900 families, a self-contained from community of 900 families, nothing else, small apartments mostly on top of each other. And in Westgate licked a sense of total false security where Shabbos and Yontov and every evening in the summer, kids are just out there in the safety of we have our closed communities. Square learned this the hard way some years ago. They learned this a bitter hard way some years ago, that their safety of their small enclave, people felt safe. And so molestation was rife. 
Westgate is rife. Actually, every development is rife. Living on a street is the best way. Just Westgate is such a big community that most people, is pushing their, they have no clue where their kids are, but they feel totally safe. Shabbos afternoon, Yontab afternoon, we're safe. We're in Westgate. And in fact, molestation incidence is much, much higher in Westgate than anywhere else. And I beg people to get out of there. Any time there's a sense of false security, then unfortunately people are going to think we're safe. And we're not. We're not. I know how I got into Westgate. But let me just do this. I want to finish on a positive note. At the end of treatment, I mentioned a couple of cases that where we attack this devastating, devastating sugya, but there's an outcome. And the outcome for me, I'm just going to finish with this and then we'll go for the night. Can I get your attention just to finish? Okay. The end of therapy, the end of treatment, typically, for me, is where someone comes in this is our world, our Hamisha world. Ideal treatment outcome occurs as follows. The sooner or later, like I said, it's a process, take two or three years of therapy, the work and the schools and the Rebbe and everyone working together is a two-year, three-year process, minimum. But at the end of the two-year, three-year process, someone comes in and the following conversation has happened to me countless times. A person, a victim, let's say a lady, like the lady I said in the original case where her husband was with pornography and really it was her, she was a sexual abuse victim and whatever, and they have to work their relationships, so they work on the intimacy and they work on the relationship and they work on life. And she has to overcome everything. Two, three years later, she comes in one day and she says to me, she says to me, I don't want you to smile when I say this, so keep a straight face. Promise me you will not smile. Okay? That's hard for me, by the way. Very hard for me. Because I do a lot of warmth and joking with my clients because it takes, you know, an atmosphere. I mean, I'm very serious, but it's like, it lightens things up. So, okay. And then I see she's really serious and she's very teary. And she said, I never thought in my life I'd say this. But I think what I went through is the best thing that could have happened to me. That happens. I think it was the best thing that could have happened to me. The relationship I now have with my husband is so incredible so unbelievable our honesty with each other is so amazing I'm sad it had to come that way and I feel she said to me I feel sorry for my father who never owned it never owned it I feel sorry for him she even worked out how to be in his presence and she saw him as sick as a sick man but she let go of her pain and she realized she had a better marriage than most people have because of this and she told me Never thought I'd believe this, but I see Hashem has given me a gift here. This happens to me in good therapy. This is the outcome of this work, and it's extraordinary. When that happens, I then share with them a Rabbeinu B'chai. And I tell them, you know, you remind me of a Rabbeinu B'chai. I'd like to share with you. I would never say it to them beforehand, because you can't, someone has to get there. You can't push them there. And I have thousands of these makars. I just like Rebbeinu B'chai the way he says it. Rebbeinu B'chai is by the mitzvah of Maka. Mitzvah's Maka. Right? Ki yivne b'ayis chodosh v'asisam Maka al-gagecha v'ayir domim b'isecha v'nyipa al-noifamimim. A friend Rebbeinu B'chai brings the medrash. And the medrash says, v'nyipa al-noifamimim, where is the noifam? V'nyipa al-noifamimim, it should say. Not v'nyipa al-noifam, was a k'filis lashem. And in second pshat, al derech ha medrash, zog I'm going to read it to you. 
ועל דרך המדרש, ועשיס המכה לגגך, כי יפול הנויפו ממנו. רוי הויו ליפו משש ישימי הברשס. He fell off this roof and died, and it's roy, appropriate, suitable. משש ישימי הברשס. אבל אתה לא סיגרים שתהיה מיסוס היותך. אבל the person who caused it is not allowed to do that. You've got to put a מכה. I said, let me tell you what he says. And he says like this, When I say this to people, when they come and reveal this truth to me, that they've got to that healing place, and then I show this medrash, they bawl, they cry, it's so cathartic, it's so freeing, because this puts them back into Torah. It puts them back into, completely back into an authentic Torah life. Everyone is created with their desire and with their knowledge. The Kodesh told them everything is going to happen before they came back. And that's Lusonim Nivru. As a Semach Hashem Litzvi, he quotes the Zohar Kaddish, where it brings down that Lutzoncha means he told you everything. All you Nisiyayin Sachayim were told to you. As the Zohar, it's important Zohar. I actually asked the Mashkirch once, Mashkirch, does this include sexual abuse? He said to me, I said, not good enough. Not good enough. Yes or no? Yeah. I said, still not good enough. <laughs> Sexual abuse, yes or no, is it included? Yeah. I said, thank you. Shows them their life and their death, what it's going to look like. And everyone in Shemayim, before they come back, means I tell them. That means you knew you were going to be sexually abused. You're Neshama. You knew. And you knew this Chadgadjo was going to come out. You're going to work at it, and you're going to do your Tikkun Neshama, and you're going to end up with a better marriage. Apparently you knew. What you've just said was Mechavin to this Zoya. This is from the Zoya. This Rebbeinu B'chai. Ve'al that's the Roy. It was appropriate. It fits your Tikkun Hashoma. V'afal pichain yeshoyin ishkodl misha mesayvev v'lechain v'asisa makeh al-gagecha. He's not allowed to do it. He's wrong. But you knew. And that's part of your chalik and your destiny. When that happens, that's the completion of a therapy that puts a person back into Yiddishkeit, back into Torah. And I have many, many people who've gone through this bitter story that I've described to you tonight. But with the right tipple and the involvement of a Rav or a Rebbetzin and we understand it fully and we stop blaming them, we get here. Zoldebish to and I, you know, I would like to help more that we could work together, let this sink in, and I think maybe in a month or so, maybe I'll come back and we could sit and plan what to do next. The question really is, how do we bring this to the parents? Thank you very much. Thank you.